This is an important weekend, so if you're at home worshiping with us online, thanks for joining us. And for those of you that are here, uh, welcome to week one of Be the Wall series. And let me do my best to explain this. This is fundamentally vital for us as a church uh, because we need to crank it up a notch. We need to take some things to the next level. And uh, part of uh, the, the reality is that I have this low-grade fear that I need to talk to you about. And my low-grade fear is this. We've done a really good job making some statements that come straight from the word of God that are catchy and memorable and impactful. But they need to be more than just catchy and memorable and and impactful. They need to not just be a wall that you walk past. They need to be more than some Plum Creek swag that you wear that have cool statements on. Here's my low-grade fear. Are you ready? My low-grade fear is this. You've heard them, you know them, you wear them, but you might not truly understand them. And if you don't understand them, then it's going to be very difficult to understand how that then has implications for your life because here's what absolutely matters the most, and that's this, that we live them. It's not enough to know this stuff. You've heard them hundreds of times. We work these statements into the things that we say all the time. So we need to understand what this looks like. And there's something that's become a little bit of a phenomenon in our culture because this week we're talking about making Jesus famous. And so um, we love our entertainment in, in this country. We love musicians and movie stars and we love our athletes and it's football season. Are you glad it's football season? Because I was glad it was football season until we got past a couple of the first weeks because I'm a Chicago Bears fan. And I've told you often that this is one of the ways that I have become such a, such a man of faith. Because I keep believing that there's a possibility, right? <clears throat> but here's what's happened. We see this uh, oftentimes uh, when we're watching sports. We see an athlete do something well. They score a touchdown. They make the game-winning shot. Maybe it's a beautiful pass or whatever it is. And then we see something that looks like this, right? This is what it looks like. They just... Gives quick little point acknowledging that there's a higher being perhaps out there somewhere. And for me, I told you, as Christ followers, we like this, right? We're like, yeah, that's awesome. Way to not be afraid to go public with your faith. But here's my question for you. Is that what making Jesus famous is all about? Is that it? I mean, it's cool. I like it. I like it. It's better than nothing. But is that what making Jesus famous is all about? It has to be more than that, doesn't it? It has to be so much more than that. Um, so we, we, I like it. I like that people attribute their success to the Lord. I think that's important. I don't want you to misunderstand that there's something wrong with an athlete making a point to the sky when they do well. But when we're talking about Jesus and making him famous, there has to be more to this than a quick acknowledgement of God when things in life seem to be going well. Would you agree with me? It has to be more than that. And there's this very real tension that we all battle. This tension is in me, it's in you, it's in all of us. And it's an epidemic in our culture. We are all prone to seek, secure, and promote our own fame and recognition. That's what we think is most important. And so we, we scurry after what it looks like to, to do that, to, to promote our own fame or recognition way more than we promote Jesus. And we need to change that. We need to do this differently All too often we've bought the lie that the meaning of life is about recognition and uh, obtaining a certain status or having a margin of fame. And at best we claim to follow Jesus, but in reality our true main objective is to bring honor and glory to ourselves rather than learning to completely reorient our lives around the gospel 
and around what it means to have been changed by the gospel, to reorient our lives around the things that matter most to Jesus. And this is an epidemic in our world. Uh, Social media, for sure, has contributed to this because it's all about the likes and the friends and those kinds of things. And there was a Forbes article written a couple of years ago that reported some survey data surrounding what we're talking about today. And here's what they found. One in four millennials would quit their job in exchange for fame. The article went on to report that one in 10 of those that were surveyed would choose fame over a college degree. Now, here's the real one. This this is even worse. One in 12, listen to this, would cut off their own family to become a household name. What happened to the world we live in? We're having notoriety and people understand. This has to be what Jesus was talking about, right? When he said, I've come that they may have life and that they would have it to the full. Isn't that fullness of life to just be known? There has to be more, guys, to our lives than this. We have to get to a place in our lives where Jesus truly is the Lord of our life. It's not just something we know, but it becomes the way that we live. And we want to be uh, understanding together that we have this opportunity, church, to be part of and to participate in kingdom work that has eternal ramifications, something that's bigger than ourselves and something that outlasts our lifetimes even. What is it that we're willing to give Our lives do, and today our main thought is this. We exist to make Jesus famous. We exist to make Jesus famous. So this is something that is significant. So listen to me, church, today. We have been invited to live an extraordinary life, a life of great value where our identity is found in him where we see and think about the world around us differently because we're in pursuit of things related to his kingdom. And we live knowing, regardless of what we might think others would understand about us, that we live differently knowing that we have a vital role in building the kingdom of God. What does that look like in our lives? Rather than clamor for something that we think might bring happiness or joy, we have great confidence and security in who we are in Christ. And that has so changed us then that we, that we know now that we're part of something bigger than ourselves that outlives us, that has, that has eternal ramifications, something that literally is worth giving our lives to. We exist to make Jesus famous. That's what we do. This life that God has called you and I to involves partnering with Jesus in his mission. And so I shared with you uh, back earlier this year that I've been taking my time walking through the letters that Paul wrote to churches. And a couple of months back, I came to this passage in 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to find ourselves in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and then we're going to take a look at a couple of verses. Because this is what happened when I read this. As soon as I read this passage, I knew it was for this weekend because what quickly happened after I read this is this, these words that Paul wrote about the church in Thessalonica became my prayers for this church. We're going to learn about a church today that I want to be like. And I want you to live passionately uh, to be like the church in Thessalonica in this way. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul said about this church. Just listen, it's powerful. He says, starting in verse 8, And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. 
We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome that you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Did you just, when you read that, did you like think to yourself, whoo, that's the way I want to live. That's the way I want to be. That's the kind of church that I want to be part of. I hope you did. I hope you did. And I want to unpack this one little, little part at a time so you can see why this fires me up so much. Paul was bragging on these guys. He was encouraging them by this letter that he was writing, like, keep living this way. You're making a difference. And, and the same things that he said about this church, I want to be true of us. So let's take a look at them together. This is powerful. We're going to start in, in uh, verse 8, uh, in, and we're going to just unpack this one little step at a time. So the first thing Paul says is, is this, and now the word of the Lord is ringing out. The first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Their lives spoke loud. Something was so uniquely different about this church that their lives were speaking loud. The use of the words ringing out is significant. It connotates the idea of a message that has volume. It's not just a little thing that's a little rumor, or a little, little kind of, it's beginning to reverberate throughout their community. There's volume and impact. Their lives spoke loud. Paul didn't stop there. He continues to unpack this. And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you. Now look at this. Two people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, we might have thought that the reputation of this church would just impact its local community. But no, that's not where it stopped. The message of Jesus is reverberating out even past their local community. It's making a difference. Their lives, listen, had reach. The way they were living was so different from the world around them that this impact is everywhere, even beyond their little local spot. Now you gotta look at what happens next in verse 80. Paul continues and he says this, wherever we go, we find people telling us about, what is this? About your cool swag? Are we hearing about peace squigs? No, he says this, we're hearing about your faith in God. There's something different about this message that's beginning to reach not just their local community, but far and beyond their lives had reached. And so when I, when I read this, I think, gosh, Paul is telling these people that the way they're living together, in, they're doing this as individuals, but the message gets louder when we start to live this way together. It has impact, it's loud, and it has a reach. And I'm thinking, that's what I want for Plum Creek. When we walk by a wall that says, make Jesus famous, you need to not just go, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. That needs to be marching orders for the week that lies ahead of us, that we're going to live different to make Jesus famous, that our impact is going to be significant, that the way we live and speak is going to be a loud reverberating noise that, that impacts this community and has a reach far beyond. And it makes sense. It makes sense that this message would go out from this place, Thessalonica, because it was a port city. And so there were ships that were coming in and out. And there were roads that would come in and out. And so as these people were impacting their community, the message of the way that they were living would have impact that goes out. And they didn't even have the internet. You see, we have tools available to us 
The message of their life change is reverberating and has longevity and volume and impact and it reaches extensive. And you might ask yourself, how, how extensive was their reach? That's what you gotta hear this. Look at me for a second. You know what Paul said? He said, guys, you're kinda, you're kinda impacting what I do because you're changing my, my efforts as a missionary. Have you guys ever told a story to someone and while you're telling them the story, you can quickly tell by their nonverbals and their communication, they're like, yeah, 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 I've already heard it before. <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? It's usually when your mom is telling you a story, right? You're like, I know mom, yeah. I've heard that one before. Or you know what I'm saying? Like you were all excited about a story, you start unpacking it to somebody and they're like, thanks for the foreword, you know? I've already heard the story. That's what Paul is saying is happening because of the way that this church is living. Look what he says. He says, for wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. Look what he says. We don't need to tell them about it. You know what he's saying? This is awesome. Are you ready? This is why what we talk about is so biblical. We see it unpacking in scripture. Look, their lives were changing lives. Imagine it. They're living what we talk about all the time. Listen, these values and this mission that we talk about come straight from the word of God. We exist to make Jesus famous. So we have to ask ourselves this question. We start reading these, these things that Paul is saying about the church in Thessalonica and our hearts start to race. I hope yours is. I hope your feeling today is like marching orders to go into the week that lies ahead of us. And then we have to ask ourselves, what was it about these people that was making such impact? How did they live their life different and what can we learn from this? How did they make Jesus famous? Fortunately, Paul continues to unpack this for us. Look at verse nine. For the people keep talking about the wonderful welcome that you gave us. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. We make Jesus famous by caring well. You see, there's something different about the way that they were living. The first thing that stood out is the way that they had concern for the people around them and they showed this, this beautiful hospitality to those that were in need. And I wonder, I wonder if that's reflective in your life. Do people see that you're paying attention and care about them? Or is life only about you and yours? Because this is part of the message that was impacting not only their local community, but had reach that went beyond. He continues. He keeps going. Look at this one. For they keep talking about the wonderful welcome that you gave us. And look at this. How you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, what once was their object of worship, which once had the top place of priority in their lives, that had their attention, was now different. And it stood out to the world around them. You see, we also make Jesus famous by putting him first. By putting Jesus first. Paul says the way they're living stood out to the world around them. They had ab abandoned idols and false gods. The rejection of these idols in their lives was noticeable. In this community, it was largely a Gentile community. And so their culture revolved around the worship and the reverence of pagan gods and deities. And so when these people's lives, listen, when their lives were reoriented because of the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel, the good news, had so changed them that once had the top place of priority in their life was now different. And they stood out. 
to the world around them, much like uh, people stick out like a sore thumb around here when you orient your life around Jesus. And so we talk about these things, and, and it's important for us to see that their lifestyle was completely different, and the difference was noticeable. But there's also another way that they were making Jesus famous, and you need to see this. This is powerful. Uh, one more thing that was very different about the way that they lived their lives that needs to be different about the way we live our lives too. And they speak of how you are, in verse 10, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven. Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, he's the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. You see, we also make Jesus famous by living for eternity. It's a different way to think. We get so caught up in this world that we're living in, we get so caught up in what this world has to offer us that many times we're so distracted by that that we're not living for eternity. But these people were living with an eternal perspective. They lived knowing that this life is way about way more than just today, the hopefully, right, the 70, 80, 90 years that you have here on this planet. They lived different knowing that, that they, were, they had an expectation of a perspective change of eternity in heaven and the future kingdom of God. And living this way was noticed by the people around them. But here's what you need to see. Living this way wasn't about pointing them towards the church in Thessalonica. Just like living this way isn't about pointing people to Plum Creek. That's not it. Don't ever confuse that. That is not what this is about. This is about one thing, guys. And it's that the way that we live, the way that we do life, the way that we interact with each other and the world around us points people to Jesus, period. Don't confuse that. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And, and that's why they were existing in this way. They existed to make P Jesus famous. The people were living worthy of the gospel. And here's what's this gonna blow your mind. Living this way worked. It worked. The message changed their local community and beyond. Now, here's the most important part of our time together. What does this mean for you and I? When we walk past our wall that challenges us to make Jesus famous, how do we do that? How do we live that way? Because we do exist to make Jesus famous. How are we gonna do this? The work that God is doing in us, we talk about this all the time, the work that God is doing in us is not only for us, but every, every interaction is an opportunity to share the gospel with our words and our actions. That's what it looks like. So how do we do this? This week I was reminded of like the most important first decision that we have to make as it relates to making Jesus famous. And it's kind of embedded in a story that a friend of mine wrote about in his book uh, titled All In. Uh, he's a pastor in, what, in Washington, D.C. And there's something in this story from history that spoke to me when I read it again this week and I wanna share it with you. <clears throat> On February 19th, 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernan Cortez set sail for Mexico with an entourage. And his entourage included 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, and 553 soldiers. And when they hit ground in South America, the indigenous population upon his arrival was approximately 5 million people. So if you just look at simple math, the odds were stacked against them to ratio of 7,541 to one. Two previous expeditions had failed to even establish a settlement in the new world, yet Cortes conquered 
much of the South American continent. How did it happen? What did he do different? You see, I think he led his people to understand something that Jesus followers need to understand as well. When the ships got close to shore, the men began to unload their supplies and they began to get closer to shore and then Cortez did something of mythic proportions. He told some of his men to go back to the ships and burn them. Can you imagine being one of his guys? They were like, what? He said, burn the ships because we need to think differently now. And so the men, as they were rowing to shore, turned back and watched their fleet of ships burn and sink to the bottom of the ocean. Retreat was not an option. You see, guys, listen to me. There's something that needs to happen when we recognize and realize that there's a line of demarcation and when we step across the line of faith and declare that we will be Jesus followers, there's no going back. There's no plan B. There's something inside of us. See, here's the problem. Too often, plan A, it gets risky and it gets costly and too difficult and we resort to plan B. I need to stop that in your life and mine today and you need to know this. You are God's plan A to change the world and we get to do it together. That's why we talk about making Jesus famous because your life becomes reoriented by the gospel. It gets changed by Jesus. It gets changed by Jesus' teaching and the understanding of the beautiful price that was paid for us to have freedom and redemption and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And when you step across that line of faith, you are so changed. There's no going back. Instead, you and I live different with a focus to make Jesus famous. So let's just go back real quick. Let's go back through these things that have so impacted the church in Thessalonica and ask ourselves, are they true of us? Are they true of you personally? Are they true of Plum Creek? So the first question I want to ask you is this. How has your life been transformed by the gospel? Are you truly a different person because you know the good news? So much so that you stay, what would it take for your neighbors to know, not that you go to Plum Creek, I don't care about that. I want them to know you love Jesus. That's what this is about. What would it take for your non-Christian neighbor to notice that you're living differently. So it's important then for me to ask you this question, is the power of the gospel alive in you? Because here's what we do in the Christian church in today's world. We, we look at what the church in Thessalonica does and then we put a whiteboard on our front door with a checklist of the things that that church did and then we just go, well, I'm gonna head into my day today and hope I can do the things the church did there. And we try and do that stuff in our own strength and our own power instead of having what scriptures tell us is true and is available to us, the same power that raised Christ from 
the dead is, in, is at work in you. So when you feel tempted to go back to plan B or switch and go back to plan B, you don't because the power of God is at work in you and your life looks differently. This is not about you and I doing a checklist. This is about a life that's reoriented because of the message of the gospel and the power of the gospel at work in us. These people were the topic of conversation because their lives look different. Does your life look different? The next question that I want to ask you today that has to be asked related to making Jesus famous is this, am I distracted by idols? And I know real quick you're like, well, sure, Doug. I mean, I got no, no wood, no metal. You know, I've got, I've got no, no Buddha that I rub when I get home. I'm doing good here. But let's just wait for a second. That's not necessarily what we're talking about. It's the things in our lives that they're sneaky, right? They're sneaky. And they work their way into our lives and all of a sudden they find themselves on the throne of our heart. And they become the things that matter most to us instead of Jesus. And so you need to ask yourself, what is that? What is that in your life that has the potential to sneak its way into that that throne of your heart? Is it, is it the pursuit of your career? Is it about being known like we've been talking about today? Is it your fat bank account and your sweet house and a nice car? Is it your kids? Is it your retirement stuff? Well, like, look at what it is that you spend the most of your time and your effort and your energy and your calendar investing your life in and ask yourself, am I distracted by any idols? Because there's all kinds of things that can come into our lives and and reorient our priorities. Again, do I look any different from the people that, that haven't stepped across the line of faith around me? And then we must also ask ourselves, do I care for others well? Is there something in me that's not just about chasing after what's what's me, about me and about mine and getting you and yours? Is it bigger than that? Again, do I look any different from someone who isn't a Christ follower? Do I see the needs around me and take action? Then this is the tricky one. Are my motives pure? This one's hard, isn't it? Because you definitely can be doing the right things for the wrong reason. And is it just to be recognized as, I got it together, I love the Lord, or I go to church, I'm a person, I'm religious. Is it about your own notoriety or is it truly about having a heart that's pure before the Lord? Am I purposely climbing over others so that I can get to the top? Or do you really care about people? And then finally, we have to ask this question, do Do I live for eternity or am I just living for the here and now? This is so important. Here's what it boils down to, guys. You and I have to burn the ships. We need to decide there's no going back. There's no plan B. That my life will be reoriented around the gospel. And so every once in a while, I think it's important for us to be reminded that this happens. And you might ask that, Doug, does this, do people really live that way? Yeah, they do. So let me introduce you to a couple who's reorienting their lives. They're not here this weekend because they're in training. It's a beautiful story. But I want you to pay close attention to their message at the end because it definitely is one that should spur you and I to think differently about the way we live right here in this beautiful valley. Let's watch this story. 
When we very first got married, we both kind of had this desire to live overseas. Her grandmother actually was a missionary in Paraguay. She wrote some books about their experiences on the mission field. We started reading these books about these just crazy experiences that they had. That really um, kind of started that journey for us of going, hey, maybe this is something that we really want to look into, doing the cross-cultural living overseas and, uh, and kind of doing that for God. And it seemed to fit with this desire God put in me, just a heart for people that don't have all the access we do to resources and information about God. And it's always kind of been a thing for me to want to bring that to other people. Well, I need to just be doing that here where I'm at and there's no reason that I have to move abroad to do it. And God finally told me like, oh, that's the desire I put in you and that's okay. Then we found an organization that really fit well and just lots of things lined up. It's a aviation ministry. They use airplanes to reach isolated people and to share the love of God. And that was my background, was aviation. I've been an air traffic controller for 10 years. Our desire was to join as an air traffic controller. However, that's not what they needed at the time. They needed pilots, they need mechanics, they need teachers, they need um, IT professionals, but they don't need air traffic controllers. So that began a six-year process of becoming a pilot and going through that whole process. And the really cool thing is when the week that we got accepted with them, they had a need for an air traffic controller. So it was the first time in their 75 year history that they'd ever needed an air traffic controller and it was the week that we got accepted. And so it was just really cool to see God orchestrate that. I'm excited to use the skills and the calling and the passions that God has given me because I, I do love planes and I love aviation, I love flying. We teach nationals, we teach local people um, English and then we teach them how to fly airplanes, teach them how to be mechanics, um, we'll have an air traffic control school and then we get a chance to spend time with these professionals and to get to know them just kind of do that life together and that is where the gospel gets to shine and that is where we get to um, kind of just share the hope that we have in Christ and and the freedom and the peace that's in that and then invite them um, to experience that as well to be able to share that with other people and see the same kind of hope and life and joy that it brought me and somebody else gets to have that. Just seeing someone come from a place of pain or hopelessness or even just apathy to a place of passion and life and joy and hopefulness is just really exciting. Doing something with God feels a lot different than just learning about him or going through the routine, actively being involved with him and being like, I really love who you are in the world that you wanna make. And you let me be a part of that with you is such an honor. We both have our bad days. <laughs> we both have times when we're like, nope, pull the plug, like this isn't happening, we can't do this, this is impossible. Um, but inside of all those fears and all that anxiety, God has really shown that, that he can be trusted. He's there and he cares and he's leading us. It really is as simple as love God and love people. That's universal. That's Castle Rock, Colorado. That's 
you know, the middle of nowhere. You don't have to go anywhere else to share that love and hope that Jesus gives and to spread who he is and that he wants a genuine relationship with us. There's so many things just here in our own backyard that need God's transformation and love and hope and there's work to do everywhere for making the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Will you stand to your feet? Grant and Kayla, Plum Creekers, we're supporting them, getting ready to go and make a difference. They're in training this month so they can't be here this weekend. people that live this way that have been so changed by the gospel that there's no other option. The ships have been burned. There's no plan B that understand with a passion that we live to make Jesus famous. You see, that's not just a cute slogan, guys. It's a way of life. And when I think about this great church that we have a chance to be part of, it's about us understanding what it means to live with that kind of focus. That every day matters. Every conversation matters. The way you interact with people matters. The way you do work matters. That we come into a place like this and we gather together to be challenged and to have our hearts connected to Jesus where we sing and we worship together so that we can go and be the church to where the way we live changes this valley and extends its reach so far beyond where because of we, you and me, taking this serious, one thing happens. It's not about Plum Creek. Don't ever think it is. It's about Jesus. And it's about Jesus becoming famous. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, we need to be the wall. And I thank you for the example of this church and. Thessalonica and for Paul to communicate with such passion the things that he's proud of the way this church is doing life. And the Lord, the example then that we can see as a church here 2,000 years later in Colorado and Castle Rock in this valley. Lord, would you just burn it in our hearts that these aren't cute things that we say, but rather these are marching orders for the way we do life. And that when we do it right, all of a sudden our hearts begin to race because we're part of a mission that's so much bigger than ourselves that outlasts the few years that we have here on this planet. That God, there are lives that will be changed with the message of the gospel because we live to make Jesus famous. Father, please let that be true of our church. 
And I know the only way that happens is when each of us take this marching order and now go into the day that lies ahead of us, the week that lies ahead of us, that we will lead ourselves, that we will lead our marriages, that we will lead our kids to understand the importance of living different than the world around us. God, help us to live a life of appreciation that's worthy of the gospel. Lord, I pray for that person that might be listening today on the internet or spending time with us here in this room that has not chosen to step across that line of faith yet. In this moment, Jesus, we know this is a holy moment and we give it to you today because there's somebody that's making a decision in this moment to change their life forever, to step across the line of faith, to give their heart and their soul to you, to reorient their life around the gospel, tired of living for selfish reasons but instead wanting to be part of a mission that is going to make a difference for eternity. If that's you today and you say yes to Jesus, stepping across that line of faith, please, please do what we've talked about today. Burn the ships. Don't look back. Learn what it means to follow Jesus with your life in your heart. Join this army of people that are going to do the best that we can to live to make Jesus famous. Tell him that you're sorry for all of the ways that you've fallen short and now you want the power of that gospel to be alive in you. Lord, let it be true for all of us. We love you, Father. Let this be a different week where we live on mission together.